And there we go. We're back again for another episode of Friday Night Counterattack. And once again, we've got another guest joining us. But this one is a guest that I've known him for a long time, but we've not actually met due to the whole lockdown circumstances. So I'd like to welcome Liam to our podcast. And Liam, unfortunately, is a Manchester City fan. So we're going to have a fun time talking about Manchester United and Manchester City. Liam, thank you very much for joining the podcast today. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, anytime. It's nice to see you. And hopefully we're all doing well in lockdown at the moment. Vish, how are you doing? It's good to see you back. Yeah, man, I'm good. I'm glad to be back. It's been a busy few weeks. You know, it's, it's it's good being listening to you guys and, you know, you've all been doing a really good job. But yeah, Liam's a Man City fan. I don't <laughs> like that. <laughs> I don't like that. They do exist. It's just we don't know many of them and I'm glad to know just the one of them. But he's a very nice Man City fan, so he'll, he'll go yeah. easy on us today unless we don't go easy on him. But I'm easy on everyone. It's perfect. Fine. No, thanks <laughs> Thanks for that, Vish. It's just the fact that everyone's been in lockdown. So the guests that we've had have been very open to talking to us, which has been really positive. And it's been a very different podcast we've been having recently because a lot of people are used to the six of us being on, having our laughs and our jokes and talking about whatever we want to, which is fine. But having guests on has been another more of a Q&A type thing, which has been nice. But it's not obviously the same. We're missing people when it's not. It's just different things. And I'm, I've been quite open to it. Quite nice to listen back to them as well, which is really good. So let's let's get the cat out of the bag straight away. Liam, how many points ahead of Man City at the moment? Five points ahead of United, the game in Game in hand as yeah, well. Yeah, I think it has been that. It's yeah, okay. Game so eight points hopefully come next Wednesday. Is that when your game in hand is next week? Yeah, yeah. I think it's the 17th against Everton. Wednesday, oh, 17th. Everton. If only they saved that last minute goal. Uh, the Calvert-Lewin goal for Man City next week. That would be ideal, but Guardiola's got your team playing and the players that you've got missing, you don't even miss them at all because you've got Gundogan, the best version of Gundogan I've seen in a long time, which is brilliant. Everyone's buzzing about mm. Phil Foden. And for me, I'm a really big fan of Ruben Diaz as well. I really think he's a heir apparent to Vincent Company, which again is really annoying because it's so nice to see Man City concede a lot more goals last season than Company was in there, but... Uh, what are your thoughts so far about Man City this, this season? Are we getting ahead of ourselves with Man City already one hand on the trophy or is it more along the lines of just got to play the patient game so far? I think you'd, you'd say it was one hand on the trophy at the minute purely because of the fact that we've already seen it out. We've seen it before. But it's a funny season, so you never know what's going to happen. Like, Liverpool lost 7-2 to Boston, but we lost 5-2 to Leicester. Anything can happen. It's proven been a funny season, so we'll see what happens. But you'd like to think now this is one hand on the trophy and... We win our game on the eighth. We think that this that'll be probably seen out. Uh, but we've got European football coming, so that might add a bit of change to the fixture list. So we'll, we'll see. But yeah, you'd like to think so. It's just more or less than just a nice because Guardiola's like he's proven tested. We've done this before twice at City. So I, I suggest, yeah, I think it would be done just a bit more or less. I think it's strange as well because you've got Much and Gladbach in the Champions League, but you're going to be going to Hungary for that as well. So that might be a bit of an odd situation. Again, you're not going too much on Gladbach's ground because of the whole COVID thing. And it's just great to see that football's carried on in other countries as well, not just the UK because of the whole COVID situation. So again, we're still in lockdown in the UK. So we're literally stuck with watching every other game of football, which is fantastic. And I've really enjoyed watching that. And I'm pretty sure you've enjoyed watching that as well, being a fellow football scout like myself. So you can learn a lot more about different teams and different players that you don't normally see and watch. So that must be very exciting for you to do in your spare time as well. Would you say, Liam? Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing we were worried about is when football came back, one thing we like about the fans, but I don't like it about fans at all. And it's not the same as football's not the same about it. However, there's a picture list. People might say it's a bit congested, but I quite like the fact that pretty much every night of the week there's a football match on. 
so it's like I said, the, the scouts are brilliant to get to see players on TV that we never get to see. Um, so I quite like it. I don't mind it like this. I hope when it comes back on Banzo Island Stadium again that we'll like to watch this picture looks remain the same. I like the fact that it's using that we can play a Premier League game or whatnot. So. And even with us, like watching us, um, Man United play every other game is fantastic. I mean, some games are winning 9-0 and that was an amazing game to watch, Fish. But literally, since our last podcast last week, we played uh, two different times, I think, 9-0 and then drew 3-3. So we're always rather really happy about winning a, such an amazing result and then heartbreak and not really talking to anyone for a whole day after drawing 3-3. So our emotions just change left, right and centre. And it's, it's funny to see how the life of a football fan is in, in this pandemic as well, because you can't really go to the ground. You can't really do much. And um, besides just watching a game and seeing the reaction on social media, I'm not a big fan of that personally, but the guys on our, our podcast are very fond of that, especially Sally if I, if I introduce Salim to the podcast. How are we doing, Salim? You okay? Yeah, not bad. I just got stuck. It's been snowing quite a bit outside and we're just coming home from somewhere. And yeah, I just got a bit... It was just a bit slow because of the snow, if anything. Nah, that's understandable. Yeah. Snow's normal for us in, in the north. I can say that now, being a northerner, which is funny. Yeah, um, it's snowing quite a lot here, actually. Nah, it's crazy. But no, Salim, we're just introducing Liam to the podcast and he's just telling us about how Man City probably have one hand on the trophy and Salim is one of the guys that literally just rinses us whenever Man City do well or Man United do bad and so you've got a fellow supporter there which is not he's an Aston Villa fan but he's a, he's a fellow supporter of I don't City mind Man I don't United. mind Man City <laughs> You're a big I'd, fan say, of... I'd, say, I'd say Manchester's blue I'd, I'd put that out there oh. I'd say they're a big team absolutely yeah yeah 100% it's all well and good. It's all okay. I was going to ask Liam a question, actually. I was, I was going to say, like, how do you feel after, like, last night's victory against Liverpool? 4-1 at Anfield. You haven't won there since 2003. You must have had a few drinks after that. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, we got the penalty and I instantly knew we are going to miss this because we got a curse there and he did. He didn't hit the target. Last previously, I think, Kevin the Bruyne hit, hit it over the post, uh, past the post and then it was uh, Mares the last time. Yeah, it was the time. That was in the like 85th minute as well, wasn't it? Like towards the end of the game. Yeah, it didn't game over. It didn't over. It didn't win 1-1-0. With the so we, we missed that and I thought, there we go. And then it was quite a poor performance first half from us. But they, luckily, they were just as bad, so it was okay. We got into the second half. And then we, we scored a goal, quite fortunate. Um, and then they got that penalty, which I thought was a bit soft. But it's sallow in it. So it was, it was clumsy from Diaz, but it was a, it was a soft, soft penalty. Yeah, um, I think so. for it, and then yeah, the thing is, could we miss the penalty? And then our Diaz, who's been faultless all season, makes a mistake and then gives away a penalty. I thought, typical. This is just going to waste from the goal now. We're going to draw this or lose, and then that goal just sort of sparked forward, and then he just turned into a next level player. And he just sort of, and that second goal where he took it down the back to the byline, past Henderson and past Robertson, just phenomenal. Uh, and then from there on in, Ellison was shot. Don't know what he was thinking. Uh, and we were on to the game, but it was, it was mad because I didn't think it was going to happen, especially 4 1. So I thought it'd be a lot tighter than that. Oh, sorry. I think I just put something there. Like at the start of the season, a lot of people were saying, like, you know, Pep's finished. Like, because I think you guys were winning like 1 0. Like, it wasn't, you weren't really like playing like amazing football. I think it clicked in that Chelsea game, the 3 0. Like, that's when I think it clicked for you lot. And you just looked like better than the Centurions as well at the moment, the football that's being played. Like, and that's without your two best players, Aguero and De Bruyne. You know, you've got, you know, like De Bruyne probably like 
top two players in the league. Aguero, obviously, probably the best striker to have played in the league, arguably. And you've got neither of them there and you're still like, you know, you're playing without a striker effectively and just the results and the way you're playing is, I don't think anyone can catch you. I think the title's yours, but I think it's interesting to see how you'll do in Europe. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that Chelsea game was the catalyst for the performance onwards. I think the security we've got with Diaz at the back, knowing that we can go into games and probably will proceed, um, is, is a massive safety net. So I think there's always that caution with us attacking that we might get countered and concede a goal. I think that was I think that's been going on today since company life. Um, so I think that that's Chelsea game was a real statement of intent. We was at Aguero, played Kevin De Bruyne in that false nine, and it just was unbelievable the performance. The whole night missing unbelievable. So yeah, I think that was the catalyst that sort of kicked on and it sent us into a new ice this season. I think you're right, but I think that this team's a better, a better team overall than Centurion. Whether they'll go on to, to, to what they won't become, I think they'll actually beat the yeah, hundred points. But yeah, I think they're a lot better team. Yeah. And uh, uh, in Europe, we're a funny team. We're a funny team in Europe because we'll do so well in the group stages and we'll start in the fourth, that next round. We'll do fine. Gets to the quarterfinal, Pep will just start playing mad formations. Yeah, it's like it's like he gets to like the biggest game of the season, and and you just like trial and error something new, and it's like just just do your normal thing, like you know, it, like it's like you, you don't even have to put a surprise out there. You just play your normal team, and they know what you're gonna do every time, and you'll still beat them because you're that good. Yeah, it's just sad that you know, obviously David Silva didn't get one with you lot before you went. Like and company deserved one. Well, definitely company. company. Like, yeah. Torre, you can say as well, but but especially David Silva, like. Can you, I can't believe he's left and, you know, you've got Foden, a ready-made replacement. Like, Foden's a bit different. I, people don't realise how, like, so quick he is, actually. And, and strong. He's quite, like, he was really strong yeah, yesterday. Quite, For a nimble fellow, he's really strong. As a, yeah, was it the Stockport, Stockport Messi or, some, or whatever he's called? Stockport Iniesta. Stockport Iniesta. A Stockport McGinn or something like that, yeah. He's quite good. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Well, we'll he's he's only 20 years old, so... Yeah, he's... Only twenty years old, so like he's got a long road mm. ahead of him, and him playing like the way he is at this age, it, it's scary, man. As a United fan, to see Foden do that. We play anywhere. We play centre mid. We play the number six, number eight. We play wide. We play false nine. Yeah, he played the, false nine last that time. Yeah, you can play on the left and on the right. You can play more deep positions, and um, he adapts. And he, I tell you, he's, a, he's, a, he's not the biggest lad, but he holds his own. He holds his own quite well. Fabinho had to take him out because he's out muscled Fabinho. He out muscled Henderson and Robinson to get the second goal. He's, he is a, his name Ligma because he doesn't look that fast and he doesn't look that strong. He's one of those players that scouts would be like, oh yeah, he's, he's, he'll be okay in a couple of years. You have to let him develop, but he's just doing it right now. And I said early in this season, I think I said, I probably didn't say on the podcast, but um, one of the guys on the here who was like, oh, Phil Foden will do really well under Guardiola. But I was like, on the flip side, look at players like Mario Gotze, who was under... Pep Guardiola and Bojan who are on the Pep Guardiola who didn't hit the heights because they didn't buy into his philosophy and annoyingly like Vish we, we're going to see this for years to come as Man United fans but as an England fan it's so exciting to see him develop and we always forget that Raheem Sterling has done so well since Guardiola has been under uh, mm. be, been his manager and it's the same for Phil Foden he'll get the best out of him and it'll be something that you could be blessed with a generational talent like a, a genuine generational talent because you don't see Many of them at the moment coming through from England, which is really good. And I really hope that this could be this could be something the start of something special for Phil Foden. Again, yeah, as an England I, I, I fan, as an, as an England fan, not as a Man United fan, as an England fan. Keep, yeah, keep yeah no, I'd, 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 <laughs> one thing, I'd add one thing there. It's like everyone, everyone agree, keeps man. saying this so like 
generational talent thing and they need to stop comparing him to people like Saka and Martinelli and Hudson Adoy. Like there's guys like a different like you know, it's just a different level to them guys. You it's need to stop them. them comparisons. Yeah, but they need to stop those comparisons, you know, like or like Greenwood and all this stuff is 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 on the next step. He's proved it. He's proved it on the next level. He just didn't get enough game time, that was all it was. I'd say. I think with David Silva and them there, I think he probably deserved I think City could have done a better job to bed him in last season, as in so played him more than he did, but in the end it's, it's worked out, so it doesn't it doesn't matter. But Liam, would you say yeah. that this is probably the best plan because we're seeing the best of him now as opposed to um him being overplayed last season or the season before? Would you say that or would you kind of agree with Salin there? I would I would agree maybe six months ago. But I think if you look back since Pep's been at City, you'll see that he took time bedding Sani in, took time bedding Silver in. And, the, and people say, well, why is he not playing? Because when they come on, they do something and they make something happen, but he weren't starting games. And I got to a point where I was folding, come on, he was amazing. And obviously being a local, that does work through like, we want to see him every week. But he's got, Pep's got a knack of real, just, just finding the right times when to put players in. But I was getting, I was on the, I was on the fence of sort of like frustration with the folding situation because, like you said, he's that, he is a generation talent. He's going to be up there with the best of the best. Uh, so we watch the him play all the time. Um, but yeah, I think I'd probably agree now that he probably did the right thing in taking his time forward and making sure he didn't get too much football. And I think um, Solskjaer is doing the same thing with Greenwood. I think Greenwood's being managed quite well in terms of his game time. Not playing every week, coming on, doing his thing. I think it's good for young players. I think the best example of over-burning players is Mike Lowen. Yes. Remember, he won the Ballon d'Or at 21 years old in 2001. And by the time in 2004, he's cracked. His hamstrings were gone. And he was he was playing football every week for Liverpool in every competition since he was 17. So I get it. And, uh, and it's, it's paying off now with Foden. We could have criticised Pep if he didn't come off. Uh, but I think it is. So, But yeah, I think I was, I was in two minds about whether or not we were leaving it too long to be still coming the first team on a regular basis. Really well put as well, and a lot of people forget you. You want to see your local talents play as much as possible, and I get annoyed when like I think my friends have annoyed me about this. Like I, I don't like Chelsea at all, but I get annoyed when Chelsea youngsters or Arsenal youngsters don't play as much, and I don't even support them because I just want to keep seeing the new blood coming through, and I'm really fascinated by it. But you just put it into perspective there. Michael Owen did so well at a young age, and he was finished by the time he went to Newcastle, basically. Obviously, he scored that last-minute winner against Man City at Old Trafford. But I, I was going to throw that in there when you said Michael Owen. You knew it was going to happen. Um, but yeah, realistically, realistically, his career didn't match the heights it were when he was a young, uh, young player coming through. And that's something that really annoys me as well because some players can keep it going, like Wayne Rooney or Cristiano Ronaldo or um, Sergio Aguero, prime example as well. That's done it uh, every season, year in, year out. And it's, it's really... Fascinating to see how they deal with their bodies, they deal with their injuries, they deal with their uh, consistent high levels of, of performances, really. So it's just on the I'd, flip side. Sorry, I'd, I'd say one more is like probably Jack Wilshere as well. Like he missed a full season of football because of injuries, I think, probably because he was burnt out. Mm. But, you know, and at one point, the way he was playing, like he was, he was getting hyped up probably just as much as Foden was. Obviously, they play a different role, after, especially after that game at Barcelona. And you just look at how you know how he ended up for him. Like he should have been so much more than he was when we first saw him. You know, sort of like he went to the new camp and you know he played with freedom against Xavi and Iniesta and these guys. 
and he just didn't he just didn't look the same after that. So I think there is that sort of element of caution when you're blooding when you're blooding in sort of youngsters. But I think yeah, it's worked out for Foden in the end. I'd say, so far. I'd say yesterday that was Foden's Xavi Iniesta moment. He did it against the champions of England at their home and he was amazing and his, his come of age really, which is probably, I think we want to, I want to move on from this Man City topic. Salem's enjoying it a bit too much, just like Liam. Um, <laughs> but before we move on, we'll do our, we always do like a five-a-side, six-a-side type thing. So um, we've got a Man City six-a-side all-time list. So uh, Liam, do you want to start us off with your all-time Man City six-a-side list? Six side all time, what? Past and present. Past and present, yeah. Got to go out. I was thinking okay. more of like Corrigan stuff, but you got you know, or Bert Troutman, but I'll go Joe Hart. Mm. Joe Hart, yeah. And then uh, five outfield, so go with the uh, uh, two, three, one, so we'll go company. Zabaleta, maybe? Um, Zabaleta's definitely there. I'm just trying to think now. Would you go for all out attack? Now? There's too many good players. That's the problem. It's who you leave out more than who you put in. That's, well, that's how I. There's a player right that you'll, that you'll be shocked by, but I'm going to go. I'm going to, he was he was going to be one of the best. Well, not obviously he's going to be a legend at City, but he got injured early doors before late in the night. He was class. I don't know if you guys remember him. No, he used to tell us no, about it. Him. Yeah, he got injured really early in his career, but he was really good, really really good. But no, it goes Zabba. Company is Zabba. Yeah, mm. and then three midfielders are Silver. Bruyne and Bell. Colin Bell. And then, yeah. And then up front, Aguero and... Uh, sure. Aguero and you've done more than that's six. That's six, isn't it? That's six. That's six, yeah. We're doing the six side. Yeah, so you've got two in defence, you've got your goalkeeper, you've got your three in midfield, Bell, De Bruyne, Silva. Easy then, nice one. That last one would have been nails. Ah, that's all right. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's, so, that's the team you wouldn't want to face on a five-side pitch, or a six-side pitch. Yeah. Vish, have you got any idea how you can combat it in the most PC way without trying to hype them up even more than we have done? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Edison and goal. Then I've got Vincent Company, Zabaleta, Kevin De Bruyne, David Silva. Four, right? Zabaleta, Company, Edison, De Bruyne, David Silva. So you've got one more. Aguero. Easy. Can't count today. Yeah, it has, it has to be. <laughs> Just rolls off the tongue. Go on, Saturday, yeah. you can have a go. Yeah, so for me, it'd be Edison in net, company in front of him. And then I'd have David Silva, De Bruyne and uh, Yaya Torre. Oh, I love that guy. And I'd, go, and I'd go Aguero up top. We could literally have a whole podcast on Sergio Aguero and his impact on the Premier League and Man City, but we won't do that now because we've got more important pressing matters to discuss. <laughs> no, we don't. But again, that could be something we can talk about in the future. My one, I've gone a different angle. So this is going to be... Let's see, let's see how many people get this, rather listening or watching. So mine would be um, Isaacson in goal. Then in defence, I'd have Richard Dunn. And then I've got Ilano. I've got, if you remember Ilano, he's a quality player. Yeah, I've yeah. got Brazilian. I've, I've got, ah, oh, Liam's smiling. I think he knows where I'm going with this. I've got Stephen Island wait, in, wait, wait. I've, got, I've got Stephen Island in midfield. And I've yeah. got... Benjani as a striker and as a sick player I thought you know what let's put in a club legend just to add add to the the aura of Man City so I chose Frank Lampard as well the two players I was I, uh, I could have put Tevez in somewhere he was one and I was thinking about putting Rabinho in just for the for the bants but I love Rabinho so basically well, my he team was at, he was at first yeah, side Rabinho kicked it all off and with having Mark Hughes as manager he probably felt so confused having Mark Hughes as a manager 
playing different styles of football to what he's used to. He wanted to go to Chelsea then. But my, my reference to that... To London. <laughs> he thought he was playing for Man United, apparently. That's what he said on 4-4-2. I, went, I thought there was only one club in Manchester, but we won't mention that <laughs> because you're doing very well at the moment. But yeah, my team was a reference to that 8-1 that you lost against Middlesbrough uh, back before the owners came in later that summer and Robinho came and everything changed. And I thought, let's throw Lampard in because Lampard's just been sacked by Chelsea. So... He was a club legend for you. Put, I always put Benjani in. Benjani was a legend. That, he was, that game against when, when we scored in the New Day. Yeah, Benjani did really now. well. Benjani did really well. Richard Dunn always gets forgotten. Sean Wright Phillips always gets forgotten as well. There's another player, uh, Jekyll. He always oh, used he to was, score against us. Jekyll was, he was a good player. Sport. Yeah, he was good. I think I think he's going to finish business in the Prem. I thought I he would have come over. And stuff. I thought he would have come over right. to help Man City out, think, probably as a second striker. I think he can do striker. a job. Did he go into Milan? Roma were asking for a spot, Ro- weren't they, for him and Sanchez? I don't know if they went. Yeah, it didn't happen. I don't, it didn't happen, I don't oh. think. Uh-huh. Jekyll was class. He was dead underrated. He was frustrating to Very be there, but he was dead underrated. I remember he, he scored the forgotten goal in that QPR game. No one ever remembers his goal. Remember yeah, goal. Remember Aguero's goal, but he never remembered Jekyll's. I, I remember that thing. I was like, oh yeah, they're not going to get another one. And then pandemonium hit and I was like punching pillows and uh, uh, just upset. But And they died. Were you in the stadium? Because you're, you're a season ticket holder, aren't you, Liam? Or you, yeah, you no, well, not then I wasn't. Ah, you weren't? Yeah, not then. But I remember, I, I was just coming from football and I sat down and my dad's gone like, my dad was on night, so he went straight to bed. He's like, I'm not watching this. He was always setting up since he's making night, makes that night at work. I was like, I, mean, I can't believe this. Your dad's and a city fan, isn't scored. he? Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then I shouted up saying Jekyll's just scored, come back down. He didn't. He's scored, and that's done. And then Aguero scored. And I remember because I had my football cap on my socks, and I read laminate floor, and I jumped up and ran. But my, 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 my socks skidded on my laminate, hit the TV stands, and the TV stands, the TV's wobbling like right about to land on my head. I was like, oh my god! The day we win the league, and we end up getting the TV on my head, and then it luckily stayed on. And I ran upstairs, and my dad fell out of bed jumping down. It was a mad day. One of the moments where you, everyone will know where they were that day. I think it's one of them. Yeah. Proper historic moments. Doesn't matter if you're a Man City or Man United fan. Everyone remembers where they were when Aguero scored that goal and QPR. Yeah. Joey Barton got sent off, which annoyed me because that just ruined their chances of defending. And it's all, well, they it defended was... really well without him. They went, they went two and up. Once he did that, they went yeah, two yeah. and up. So they mm. I, really I, well. I thought it was harder. It was harder for City playing against ten men than it was eleven because when they had the ten, they just sort of had no intention of going. When they had eleven, at least they were open a bit. But once they went to ten, it was compact. Yeah, Jamie, Jamie Mackey watching. scored, didn't he, for QPR that second goal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. good goals, well prepared. But I was dead annoyed about that because um, Armand Traore walks runs down the left, and the company's got him square, and company's caught so awkward, like square on, and he's just knocked the ball past him. Company would even take the ball off a man. He, he missed both across, and it really annoying. And then, like, Lester got to push on the piece, he's had to push come across and left him back post. It really frustrating that was. When that went in, I just felt my heart sink. Just like, oh, no. It was such an up and down even, season. Even the, first goal, even the first goal, though, as well, was a gift how he headed it on, and then Cissé just Lescott. sort of scored. And yeah, Lescott, that was it. I, I remember watching it actually. I was watching that game and the United game, sort of Sky Sports, you know, switching between the two, and then. Yeah, it's probably the best. Like you'll never see anything like, like you said. You'll never see anything like this, and it'll never happen again. It was, it was just yep. the situation as well. Like you know, four four hundred minutes, and then like Jekyll scores, and then they're like, oh, they've got some time left, and 
And then, like, I think, like, City give the ball away or something, and then QPR just hit the ball long. Like, they just hit it back to City, and, you know, you take the throwing and you go up again. Balotelli's only assist or something. He yeah, just right, he's only hit his whole career. In his whole career. And he just gets the when Aguero gets it and uh, he beats the first tackle because he gets fouled in the in the build up to the goal like he gets slid and he stays on his feet and you're like no way like the angles go in like every second and I don't know how he kept his nerve like most people have just hit the side netting and next yeah. thing you know ball that back game. In the net. it was Paddy that Kenny sense of that gravity that, that you mentioned about him I was just saying then Paddy, Paddy Kenny that game had a part from the Zabaleta goal where he fumbled it, it was unbelievable he saved everything I think um, Balotelli had a header from like four yards and he saved it. Just nothing could go past him, and then and then luckily, he had he had literally all the cut angles covered in that Aguero goal, and he went straight through. I've literally tried to that forget way. forget that game, but you guys talking about it for the last five minutes is bringing back horrible, horrible memories of that Vish, day, man. Vish, Vish, there's two silver linings to this. One of them's called Robin Van Persie, and the second yeah. one is the 20th yeah. title. So I, I can true. talk about this. And the third, that was Roberto Mancini's only title for Man City, despite how long he was there for. That was his only title. Yeah. And Sirax Ferguson stayed another year and got his vengeance. And he got to retire with a uh, champion, uh, championship title, getting number 20. And we bought Shinji Kagawa. Yeah. So I could relate to my shirt. That See, moment, I've, always but, wanted to, yeah. I've always wanted to ask, actually, like, you know, that second season, the one that United won, like, mm. was that simply just down to the fact that you were after Van Persie as well? And you just didn't sign a striker. What, what what was the reason for not so like for being so far behind that second year? Well, there was there was a few reasons I reckon, and there's been things that have been said about some former players like Lescott and Dion. But obviously Lescott's openly talked about how in Mancini just fell out of big time. And Mancini was quite an aggressive person, as we all know. He's a very weird manager. His man management skills are very hard. And I think yeah. by that point, he just lost the dressing room. Just, yeah. I think, I think it was too, there was too many egos that he just and. He couldn't control them because he had too much of a problem himself. Which was, he was too angry himself. Like if, if Bartel would get away with murder, because it was like that. Well, his well he had uh, Tevez that went off to Argentina for like. It was just the situation as well. Like Tevez went off to Argentina for like two months, and then it he was, turns yeah. up again. And it was the signings as well. Like you didn't buy uh, signings to improve the team. You bought signings to improve the squad. Like uh, Garcia. You bought Nastasic. Um, you literally Scott Sinclair, I think. Scott Sinclair, Sinclair as well, Mugwell. yeah. You got players that literally were there just to make up numbers on the bench. But when you do that at a club, and uh, Vish and I will know, and Salim will know, being an Aston Villa fan, it doesn't help your team at all. When you get players that just warm the bench, they don't improve your team. And the player that's starting, like Aguero or Tevez or uh, Dzeko, they'll just be there like, my place isn't under threat compared to this guy over here. So I can just play however I want. And We've seen that recently with Man United. Like Luke Shaw could easily just play another season or two before Tejas came in and his upped his game completely. And you can see that with other players around the league as well. But like with Liverpool, yeah. for example, they signed that left back, that Greek cent, uh, Greek left back. He's not replacing Robertson anytime soon. Robertson can have the worst game against Man City, but he's not going to start the next game. Robertson will still start the game. But that's another thing. That's yeah. another topic completely. Yeah, the thing with the, that second season was we bought we bought English lads to fill a quota. That English quota we had to get, get Sinclair yeah. and to fill that yeah, for yeah. the English quota. Um, and then, then Rodwell would have, I, reckon, I think Rodwell was a genuine signing. He had good potential. Sinclair was just, I think that was just to either cover or just like to fill a quota. But Mancini lost a few play, key players in the dressing rooms. The core group sort of lost weight with him because of the way he managed to think. 
Um, first, the fans loved them. I can't have them back at City, no problem. But that particular group of them, it sort of, they were bought to do a job. Like that core group was bought to do a job, which we win the league. And we did that. And then that sort of expired. That second season, that sort of kept them freshen up again. So Pellegrini coming in and buying some more key players sort of helps us along. So yeah, that, that second season, we weren't prepared to unite. We weren't prepared to unite with Van Persie because he was unbelievable. He was by far the best striker in the league for about three years. He was probably better than Aguero at that point. Prime Robin Van Persie. For- and we'll just move on to uh, yourself, Liam. And again, thanks for joining our conversation today. And I'm glad you got the time to speak to us about just your career as a football scout and how you've been doing currently in lockdown. And it's just nice to learn from different people's perspective. And I, I mentioned at the beginning of the call that everyone's in lockdown. So it's been easy to get guests onto our podcast and they're happy to talk about their experiences, their emotions and what, what they're doing currently at the moment. So we'll start with the generic stuff. So basically, um, how did you get into football scouting and how are you enjoying it at the moment? Um, it was a conversation with an agent. That I and it was basically that I, I sort of did my coaching badges when I was like 18 played obviously until still play now and then it got to a point now because I'm 30 I thought maybe it's time now to start looking at other things in football and I thought that when, it, when the first lockdown came I thought I'm going to invest some time and qualifications in knowledge of getting myself and pursuing a full-time career in football and that's how it came about and I had a conversation with the stage of that and he was telling me this and that and the other and what to expect and stuff and I was like yeah okay and I thought right I'll do the FA talent ID one level one and then I'll do some, I'll do some bit of research and I thought, yeah, I'd love this. Imagine being a day job. So a day job is to walk out into the field and watch football. Uh, also, I'm, I do coaching as well, so I'd imagine I want to make a full-time career of scouting and coaching. So two part-times to make a full-time role. So I thought, I'm just going to, all this time we've got now in our hands, to invest into it and just do everything I can to network with people, speak to different coaches, speak to different clubs, fellow scouts, fellow coaches, and just build a network, really, and try to get as far as I can, as quickly as I can with the knowledge we have. Uh, and it's to be fair, it snowballed so quickly. Like it was mad. It's crazy how things snowballed. Uh, but yeah, the reason why it's, it's what a full time what a working full time football, and that was that was the, the sort of fire that sort of wanted me to do well and stuff and, and network and, and and build a big understanding of the game in a different sort of way from playing, which is coaching and scouting, three different aspects of the game where. You did you ever play limbs? Sorry to interrupt. Did you ever play as like a semi-pro or anything like that? Uh, no, never played. No, not really. I played at a really good standard. Uh, some of them were semi-pro, but because I had, I had a child, at, I was 25 and I had a son, so I sort of dipped away from football quite a bit from that point in terms of coaching and playing. But some of the lads that I played with at the time in the clubs were semi-pro, but they were the same pro team, that makes sense. Yeah. They were the same pro team, but the, some players were, some players were. Some players got paid, some players were. Yeah, when I played, when I did my, when I went to college and stuff, we went into um, sort of, we played against like Bolton's Academy, SV United's Academy. We played quite a good standard of football. And I have a claim to fame, like I scored like an unbelievable goal from left back against Bolton. Honestly, God, I'll never hit a ball so sweet in my life. Um, but yeah, I played at quite a good level, but I was never I was never good enough really to make it as a pro. Probably weren't good enough to make a national league sort of standard or or anything like that. But that was okay. So before we move on, you still need to talk us through that amazing goal. You can't just leave us hanging like that. So how did you score your amazing goal from left back? Rumour has it, it was a cross guy, but it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. The ball, so I'm left footed. So I was a goalkeeper until I was about 14, 15. And then I played at the left because I was left footed. We put my left back and then I went back in. I was since I thought left back or left mid just because I was left footed. Mm. And I remember the four, I remember I, I put, um, 
the ball came in from the right, headed out, and that was like sort of on the corner of the box for about five yards away from it, and it just sort of hit it first time. Like it just went straight across the into the top corner. I'll never hit a ball like it again in my life. I haven't. And that was like 12 years ago. I still, I still don't believe that you're as old as as you say you are. We're not going to mention your age on the podcast, but you still don't look that old to me. Just, just, it's, a, compliment, it's definitely a compliment. I'm not t- trying to make fun or anything. You, it's probably the tattoos <laughs> as well, making you feel a lot younger as well. Yeah, I got loads of them. Nah, that's so okay. Um, so yeah, that was kind of like with me basically just in lockdown. I changed jobs and I didn't want to be at a place where your manager just belittles your mental health every day and nothing you ever do is good enough. So that's why I, like, I wanted to follow my passion. And it's a similar route to yourself. So I did the uh, scouting courses and I did as much as I could whilst we weren't in lockdown and then lockdowns happened again and again. And it's just, and it's a nice thing because over the last couple of weeks, I've realized how uh, Salim and I have been talking to different guests from different areas of football. So we've kind of given like free career advice to people listening to our podcast, how to become a football coach, how to become a referee and, with this one, how to become a football scout, and you've already kind of hit the nail on the head. But is football scouting for everyone? Would you say? Would you say everyone's got a chance to get into it because you've had struggles getting into coaching? And would you say scouting is probably a lot easier to get into as well, from like the beginning think, to I, middle stage? Yeah, I think that I think working football alone in any aspect of the game is very difficult, and it, a lot of the talent will take talent and knowledge will take you through the but it won't. You've got to know the right people. It is simple as that. If you want to become, if you want to be a scout or a coach or a referee or that network, it's the best advice you can give anyone that wants to play football. Is make sure you speak to people, as many people as you can. It doesn't matter where about they are, if they're working or not. I spoke to so many different people. And um, I, I say that would be the best. Invest in your, in your knowledge and your qualifications because you will need them. But if I can say the biggest advice would be is network, speak to people. Because it, it's, even if you do, even it's just if they're aware of, like I, the roles I got, that got me started was because I knew someone, nothing to do with what I knew. It had nothing to do with my reputation as a scout. It was purely because I knew someone, and I happened to live it close to an area that suited this club. So it, it, that's what I'd say: it's just like network, speak to as many people, listen to as many people, take on board and listen to what they've got to say, and just put your own head spin on it. Brilliant. Nice. That's a really well way of putting it as well, Liam. And um, I just wanted to know personally from yourself: like you've literally scouted in the football league previously as well and um do you ever get that feeling where you found a player and you see them on tv or you see them on a team sheet and you're like i saw this player at this age and now he's doing this or is it still too early in that development stage at the moment there's one player that i saw, that i watched and he's he's just moved in like into my land one million he's only 16 years old what i did the i yeah crazy names um he's an irish lad second i can't remember his name no, sorry, i'll give it a second but he's an irish lad 15 he's 15 or 16 now Mm. I watched the Ireland under 15s play England under 15s last January. Okay. Ireland beat, beat England 3 1. And you think English England team had like United, England lads, City, England lads, Liverpool, Villa, Arsenal, Chelsea. The, the best England lads under 15, under 16s you can think of. And you've got absolutely battered by his Irish lads. Every single one of his Irish lads were brilliant. Two of them, there was two. One I was scouting. One was a scout, was a midfielder. He, I think he's got something in place from the Premier League club now. And the other one that was. Unreal, like unreal. He's a left winger, but he's just gone to Inter Milan and a one million pounds to one million at 15, 16. I can't remember his name now. It's going to bug me, but it's, um, he's Irish. If you do go there, he's unbelievable. And he's gone to Inter Milan just, just now. Text it to us after the, after the conversation. It'll be fascinating to learn about him as well. And 
Mm. Again, you probably get that sense of pride of just looking at him and being like, oh yeah, I saw this guy, he's really good. And now he's at Inter Milan because football moves fast. It's one of the fastest industries you can work in basically. And like you said, you got to know people to get into certain areas and stuff. And networking is probably the best way of going about it, I'd imagine. It's worked for me, it's worked for yourself. And hopefully it can work for other people listening to the podcast as well if they're, if they're interested in this type of thing. Yeah. Moving into the football My mate industry. works in accounting for City. So it's That's- definitely, definitely thing. Yeah, my friend works in the accounting and seeing it. Like I said, just speak to people. The more you speak to people, you'll get chance, you get the opportunity. I mean, so 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 what kind of games do you normally like scout sort of? So which age groups? The age range, yeah, which age group? So it's so when I work, when I currently I'm just in transition and moving from office to another club. Uh, but normally it's under 12, so under 16s I scout for. Uh, but I'm mostly for the Manchester area at the moment in this current club. Uh, but when I think it's quite amazing that you sort of get, well, like your, your job, that like you're getting paid to just watch football, if anything, you know, like it must be quite amazing, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, well, I said before, it snowballed so quickly. I wouldn't even lie, like it snowballed rapidly. It's got, it went from, it went from volunteering, what work, like looking at, at teams in Manchester, doing my own work. I work, I work for full bad at everything. Um, and I just do my own research on players and teams in the area. Went myself to a few months later, I'm getting paid to do it. Yeah. I've also got a coaching gig now as well. Brilliant. Um, it's just things that snowball so quick. But again, I can only say it's purely from networking it's because you're not speaking to the right people. Obviously, you've got to know what you're doing, obviously, but yeah. you won't get them opportunities if you don't. I would have never got these opportunities if I didn't speak to people. No. Like if I applied externally off my own back, they wouldn't have probably even seen her as like the CV. They would just. I just took this bit past me. So, yeah, networking is the best thing to do in football. I think we'll end it there with your conversation, Liam. Unless you have anything fun you want to add, you can just add it on later. But I thought that was quite fascinating to learn, again, firsthand from yourself. And again, not just looking at uh, your LinkedIn or your social media or anything like that. It's better to talk to someone. And I'm enjoying this conversation even more now. Just learn little things about this Irish player that you've learned about. So, again, thank you very much for telling us about that. And we'll end this pod- we'll end this podcast with... Uh, another serious topic regarding mental health and this is regarding self-esteem so this is regarding how most of the country currently at the moment again in lockdown we repeat this every week but it's just the fact that a lot of people's self-esteem working from home or little things like not being able to work they've kind of lost it or they're losing it or it's drained on them as well it's like 30 percent of uh 18 to 24 year olds are suffering from self-esteem issues so they find other ways of trying to help themselves really make themselves feel a bit better like for example buying new clothes or um being active on social media or little things like basically just they try they can't exactly socialize you can't go out with new friends but we mentioned last week regarding loneliness uh salim and i like salim said uh like he bought puzzles as a, as a child and has done that recently and i followed suit with that this week and i've very much enjoyed uh, buying a new puzzle i found it quite fascinating because you're trying different things you're being a bit more outgoing and adventurous as well but a lot of the symptoms of literally self-esteem at the moment weight gain is the main thing at the moment um posture issues when working from home eight hours a day not always sitting straight like that on on your computer little things like that not eating healthy like just abusing uber eats and delivery things like that and another thing well this is something i've always done is just putting not enough effort into your appearance really so not looking the best as what you possibly can do so this is more uh, a struggling time for everyone, but with self-esteem, it's 
again, we're all in the same routine of doing the same thing over and over again. But Liam, I just wanted to know, is anything different for yourself currently going between jobs at the moment? You're looking forward to your new start? Yeah, we am. And I said, it, but I won't be able to start until after lockdown. So the situation remains the same for me. Uh, yeah. I think we're all stuck. I think the whole country's stuck in this sort of weird limbo where we don't make an effort when we wake up because we know we're not going anywhere. Mm. We don't need to make, we assume we don't need to make an effort. We don't need to wear clothes that go up We live in sort of joggers and t-shirts and hoodies. We don't need to shave. We don't need to cut our hairs and stuff. It, 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 it's like... Um, it's like casual like Sunday thing. every Sunday. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not good for you because you don't go out the house. You don't see, you need to have sunlight. You need to go out and fresh air and stuff. You need to make you feel like you've done something. When you roll out of bed, and you don't really have any purpose in that day. It's not good for the health. It's not good. People need to feel like, especially in this day and age, where to look the best is the way it is. It's, it's the way it is in a minute. Don't forget the Instagram influencers constantly posting pictures of how great they look and so, stuff. But it's not reality. It is definitely it? isn't. I hate that. I hate that so much. And it's and it's like that you see this because we're stuck on social media now. You got nothing else to do really. All you see is how great these lives are. But in reality, it's not. It's not a reality. We don't have that reality. No one does. So you're looking at something, oh, I wish I looked like that, or oh, I wish I was in Dubai, or this, that, and the other. And it's, it's just very mentally draining knowing that this, that, here. We don't, we don't exercise because we haven't got the, the motivation to get up and do it. But all that motivation's gone last year. It's, we've, been, we've been in and out of lockdown for a year. And it's, it takes a toll and it will not take a toll. One thing I think is going to be a big problem post lockdown is um, the social side. How many times have you meet up with friends face to face and be able to speak to them? It's going to be very, I think it's going to have a big effect on people, especially for a couple of months, I reckon. Definitely. Yeah, because you, you lost that. You have lost that sort of interaction. Yeah, it's just, like I said, self esteem. It's pure, I think the biggest one is, is definitely social media causing problems, making people feel like they're not up to the standards of, of what we see in the world, which isn't reality for them. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree with that, actually. It's like that sense of, we're not like achieving anything for the day. That's like something I used to think, like sort of you wake up and you, you know, you try and achieve something every day, but it's just not the same. And um, like even just sort of, you know, just going out and sort of meet, going out and meeting your friends is such a big deal now compared to how it was before. Like we didn't, we didn't have to think about these kind of things, but I think the one thing that like I miss more than anything is just sort of just playing football and st- like even five aside, like that kind of thing. That's probably the worst because like when they sort of lifted restrictions a little bit like it was the one thing that you know you could look forward to just sort of playing football every week as well before lockdown and stuff like you know you just look forward to meeting up like especially for guys like it's kind of like different as in like how they sort of express their feelings and emotions and stuff but I'd say like one way we do do it is sort of you know with our mates like playing in teams and stuff and yeah I think without that it's quite hard and hopefully we can sort of you know, get to a place where the stuff is sort of, you know, open again and back and we can all get back to it as soon as. And that was something that we would take for granted as well. We're not take, We wouldn't take it for granted at all because we never knew a pandemic was going to happen. But when, if we look at like a normal week um, before COVID and everything happened, we were just there like, oh yeah, we play every Friday. We'd know we'd see each other. We'd know we'd still have a conversation with one another. And Liam, that's why we started this podcast together, like six of us, because we're all five aside mates basically and now we've all just been shuttered away in our houses and our flats and stuff and we're all just we can't see each other we can barely just have a conversation on whatsapp or anything like that but 
I agree with what Salim was saying in terms of you don't really find an achievement. And again, with what you were saying, Liam, as well, regarding you don't really need to do anything if you're working from home or if you're locked indoors or anything. So it's, it's again, trying to find ways of trying to find little senses of achievements. Like I've mentioned previously that I like trying to cook different dishes, but my sense of achievement, I'm really happy with. It's something that someone else listening will be like, oh, that's a waste of time for me. I don't want to do it. But someone else's sense of achievement is like, oh, I'm doing really well at FIFA on the PS5. But for me, that's a waste of time. But everyone just needs to find their senses of achievements of finding out how they can feel more motivated to do more for themselves, I would say. That's something I've learned uh, previously. And it's even listening to like friends and family who are struggling, I'm in the minority that's like, again, I'm not struggling because I always try and find different things to do. And there's only so much you can do before you run out of ideas or activities. And having conversations like this is really nice for me because I get to learn more about you. I get to learn more about Salim, even though I've been friends with Salim for, for years. Every Monday I get to learn something new about him, which is fantastic to hear. And I'm just wondering if you, if you had any idea of how you would combat low self-esteem issues, Liam, besides the social media thing, which you just mentioned, um, have you got yeah. any hints or tips that you would say would be a good way of combating it? I think the be- I think it's just, just try and make yourself feel as good as you possibly can if that if you just find that little win. If it's something like you said, like just cooking something that you've never cooked before or something or your favourite food to cook it, cook it back. like just something, something that makes you feel good. If it's just a walk, go for a walk. Just, just find them little wins, just enjoy the little things as much as you possibly can because we did take them things for granted. Um, and we need to need to start getting that feeling back again. So I just go for them things that enjoy the little things as much as you possibly can during the times and then and then I think the world will be a different place from the back of Salam have you got anything else to add to that or anything else you um, would like to try different or you could recommend to people to make you feel a bit better I'd just like sort of repeat what I said last time in a sense that you know you can always reach out to friends and stuff because it because it's some people probably like they might be a bit I don't know, they just might be a bit discouraged from reaching out thinking, oh, maybe that person doesn't want to talk to me. Like, like it's, or, it's, or they don't want to interrupt somebody. Or Yeah, it's but, like you, know, you said I mean, earlier, it's like guys react differently to girls and um, girls are really good at that. Like, females are really good at doing that. They can open up without hesitation, really. And with guys, not everyone's going to be as outgoing um, as, oh, I'm struggling or I'm upset. Everyone's going to be upset eventually. There are times in the week when I'm upset when I'm just at home doing as much as I can do but then you're just like what am I doing this for or um what's the point of doing this little things like that but again I agree with you completely just opening out reaching out to people and I told you um earlier this week that I've been spoken to a couple of like family members and friends before mm-hmm. last week's podcast and since they listened to it they were like oh yeah I'm really nice I'm really glad that you opened up and you chose me to talk to him like I'm happy to talk to different people and this is the first time Liam and I are talking face to face, well, Zoom to Zoom, basically. And I've had a fantastic time. I hope it's the same for you as well, Liam. I've bored you or anything like that. No, no, it's been fun. It's been good to talk. I said, it's just some, like I said, we've never met before, never met you, never met Simon before. And it's just good to even just have a chat about footy. Yeah. And then and I said, and then it, this, even this alone would be good for anyone's self esteem, just to talk to someone they don't know or someone they've met, but haven't uh, someone they spoke to but not met. Just Zoom them, FaceTime them, or just. Because it just talk about everyday things like we have football, it's the only thing we have in common. We've had a chat, we've had a laugh, it's good. So I think this is a big key thing as well. I think people need definitely need to start with the first point. Yeah, I'm a big supporter of that. And even with people that are like, oh yeah, I don't really want to talk now or I don't really want to have a conversation now. Always like always think about the person that's asking for the conversation. Sometimes they need to get things off their chest. 
sometimes they want to talk to you about things that you may not have to respond to but you can just listen to as a friend or a family member and that's something that I probably can be doing something better at because I'm always trying to outgo and I'm always trying to talk to people in a positive way but I don't always put myself as much as I think I do I don't put myself into other people's shoes so it's more along the lines of making sure that I'm available but I'm not always trying to push my agenda of oh you let everyone let's talk we're all gonna have a, such a good time talking but some people do some people don't and the main thing is as long as you're coping with it and um, we'll see it, we could be out of lockdown within a month the vaccine's going around and it could be back to normality or closer to normality in a, around a month or so so we'll have to yeah, wait and see so. we'll leave our podcast with a positive note so Liam if you're okay to just tell us any kind of young footballer at the moment? Because I normally do a scouting report, but I'll let you do a scouting report being another scout. And then we'll just leave on another positive football conversation. One, one I'd say is one of the biggest names would probably be Thiago Almada. Mm. It's Bella in Argentina. I think, I think some people, most people, football manager will know who he is. He's like a... Yeah, a yeah. Man City always sign him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I came across him from... Well, I can't put his feet off. I said when he was like 16, I think, like 19 or 18 or whatever it was. And I thought, he's unbelievable. So this is like, years ago, I did some like research and I was like, he's decent him. And then like a year later, the city had been linked with him about ben- and Benfica and then now United as well. And he's only like 19, is he? 19 or something. And he's, he's, he's really good. But there's loads of different things. Like he's actually sort of, I don't know what sort of player he is. I don't know if he's this wide player or he's a number 10 he sort of floats in between two he's like a folding but he's very nimble mm. he definitely needs to fill out a bit more he's quite lightweight uh, Argentina is quite ruthless to be fair and he cooks and he handles his own but if he came to it like a sort of a better like Portuguese league or a premiership or maybe even like uh, the Italian Spanish league he definitely have to sort of adapt to game space because I think he'd be uh, physically sort of inferior to most but yeah he looks a real good player I think in some he's got a big move I don't know where Loads of places, but loads of people after him. But if I was to say to one, I'd say look out for him. He, he could be on the on the big box soon. I'm a big fan of the Benfica Academy and the, the way of them um, producing young players. And I think I've told you this before, Salim, and I've told you this before, Liam, as well. The fact that I like how you see consistent world class prospects coming through. João Felix, Darwin Nunes, currently. You've seen Man City's Diaz coming through, Bernardo Silva. Edison, for example, Victor Lindelof. Again, I've said this previously, I want to do a whole episode on like the Portuguese development in that league. It's fascinating to me personally. But again, if he was to go to Benfica, go there for a year or two, he could then get like another 145 million euro buyout clause and someone could come in for him. They could end up spending that kind of money on a talent like that. So Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that with us, Liam. So um, anyone who's on FIFA Football Manager, go for Thiago Amada. That'd be fun. Yeah, bye. You'll, you'll thank Liam later, don't worry. And just on the podcast, we normally do a little predictions game as we do when like everyone's here, but there's only three of us, but we'll stick to it anyway. So, Liam, who have you got on the weekend? I know you've got an FA Cup game against Swansea, but I know you're going to win anyway. You always get an easy yeah. German Cup, so we won't argue about oh, that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Swansea in the, in the Cup. Who is that next game? Is it Spurs or someone? Let's check. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah I think Spurs yeah. or Ladderton. Spurs 5.30 on Saturday. Yeah, that's a tough game. They're a bogey team of ours. Jose Mourinho versus Pep Guardiola. It's weird, my opinion. There's no right or wrong way to play football. But Mourinho's is my least (laughs) favourite. 
honest to God. I've got oh, a man. friend who's a Spurs fan, and he, and he honestly, he, he, he'd be happy, said, I'd be happy with it successful. And at the start of the year, they were tipped to be like a title fan. Mm. But now he's like, nah, done. So I can't cope with it anymore. Like literally 10 men behind the ball and then break. And it will only get you so far. It never worked. Marina, I think just Marina's a little bit out of touch. But, um, tough game for us, that is, because they tend to always turn up against us. You're at home as well. Are we at home? Or are we, mm. are we at, You're at oh, home. 2 0 City. I know I said all that then about them being a bogey team, but yeah, 2 0 City. Could easily be a 1 1. I think Kane's going to be back fit, but they've got that FA Cup game against Everton as well. And I know Mourinho goes. Um, 100% focused in the cups as well. So I reckon it'll be a 1 1. I don't really like how, like, we did an episode previously about how good Jose Mourinho has been for Spurs and he's got them to a League Cup final. He's doing well with them in the cups and the Europa League. But again, me being a former Man United fan, we have memories of beating City at the yes, Etihad 3 2 when he was our manager as well. And we delayed the party by a week. But again, the week after, we lost 1 0 to West Brom. So who we've got on the weekend as well. So um, it's, there's, there's a hit and miss with Josie Mourinho I, I really want him to obviously do well with Tottenham I'm a big fan of Josie Mourinho but it's, it's probably him Big Sam and probably Steve Bruce probably they're my three least favourite managers to watch their teams play and Newcastle have really exciting players like Wilson and say Maximam Almiron I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated when I watch their team but I think it'll be 1-1 for Man City and Spurs Salah what about you? Recommends that you win. Man City. Yeah, I think Man City, Man City three 0 I think they look too good at the moment. Like Spurs tactic is going to be obvious. They're just going to park the bus, try to get that one lucky goal, and then like literally just hang on for that. And you know, City will have like about thirty shots, and they'll have about two all game. And it just depends if if they just score that one lucky wonder goal off a count off a counter attack. And yeah, I don't think that's the way. To, obviously, there's like there's no such thing as right and wrong, but you just have to think like. I didn't. I, I never remembered Mourinho being that defensive. Sort of like when he won the title with Chelsea back the first two titles he won. He wasn't like ultra defensive as far as I can remember. He wasn't like that with Man United as well. He played attacking football at Man United until his yeah. Um, I, I don't understand why season. he's sort of become this sort of like park the bus person because he used to hate on teams that used to park the bus back in the day. Like when people when teams used to play counter attack against him, he used to make a big deal out of it, saying, "Oh, only one team came to play today, and they lost." Like he used to make a big deal out of it. So it's just strange how he's become this sort of bitter Park the Bus person because his Chelsea team used to sort of score a lot of goals, and they were built on like you know like a, like a strong spine. It wasn't like it was just all defense and stuff. You know, they used to have like people like Ashley Cole, like at the, like you know bombing forward and stuff as well. So it's just sad, really, to see how. He's playing like Sean Dyche football, if anything. <laughs> I don't mind Sean Dyche football. I quite, I quite find, I find it fascinating sometimes. Except that they always lose to Man City when you expect them to at least challenge them. But they didn't last week, which really annoyed me, uh, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, Man United playing West Brom away. I reckon we'll win 3-1 against West Brom. We've got such a really good away record at the moment. I don't see us losing to West Brom. Then again, I did mention the fact that when I went to watch Man United versus West Brom a couple of seasons ago, we lost 1-0 to them. So that was probably a bad omen to say. Um, but I'm really happy with our Ray record at the moment. Bruno Fernandes is doing amazing at the moment. Luke Shaw's doing really well. Is it time to drop David De Gea? I don't want it to be, but Henderson really hasn't. Um, he's still on his coattails, really. We'll see if, if he gets... if he He'll play in the cup against West Ham. Uh, tomorrow, I reckon we can win against West Ham. They're doing really well, but I reckon we'll win. Uh, probably 2 0, I'd say, against West Ham. 
they've got they're without Jesse Lingard as well. And Suchek's back as well. His red card was rescinded. But I reckon we're going to go for it in the FA Cup. Henderson will play. Van der Beek will play probably. But West Brom, we should win. Liam, what would you say for the Man United West Brom game? Yeah, I think 2-0. United, comfortable. I don't know when this away record will end. Just hopefully just keep it going for the time being. Go on, Sam. Yeah, you look too strong going forward. I think I think Big Sam will pull off like one of those masterclass one ones. I think. God, that, that that is a masterclass for Big Sam as well. I I miss Billich, man. He was a really good manager to watch. Like, not so much his team, but he's a better manager than Sam Allardyce for me. I quite liked him. Sam, who have Aston Villa got this weekend? Let's check. We've got Brighton, Brighton away. Graham Potter's team. I'm very fond yeah. of them at the moment. They doing they did really well against Liverpool. That's probably why I'm fond of them and Tottenham as well. They've had some big scalps recently and they've escaped the relegation zone properly. Do you reckon you can take them on at the Amex? Yeah, the, they play some good football, if I'm being honest. like I think the XG metric was quite favourable for them, but they just sort of don't seem to score. I just, there's something just goes wrong for them. But I think we'll keep the good form up and we'll probably win 2-0. They don't believe in stat padding, that's why. Graham Potter's a decent yeah. manager as well. It surprised me this season. They've just carried on with their attack and play and... Um, Trussard has been really fun to watch Ben White, Webster, I'm a big fan of those two Bissouma as well I'm, I'll be surprised if he stays at Brighton next season as well Arsenal could really do with a player like him in midfield Liam, what would you say, Brighton or Aston Villa? Yeah, Villa comfortable. I, think, I do like um, Brighton I, think, I, I like the way they play, they play some good football I just don't think they've got the personnel to really take them up past where they need to be I think they're always where they should be to be fair but they do play good football I like that Tariq Lamptey, I think he's going to be massive yeah. I think he's going to be in his next right back. I think he's going to jump ahead of James and Archman. I think he's I think he's got more to his game going back and forward. He's mm. one of yeah, those players that it just, like you said, just had the astronomic rise from being sold for three million to being linked with Barcelona, uh, Bayern Munich, sorry, not Barcelona, yeah. as a right back. Imagine him and Alfonso Davies on the wings for Bayern Munich. That would have been extraordinary. Yeah, mad. But yeah, I think he's really good. Yeah, so I reckon, uh, yeah, 3-1 Villa. I think Grealish got the field there. Yeah, I'd, I'd annoyingly say it would probably be like 2-1 Aston Villa, but Jack Grealish once again won't perform in my fantasy football team when I have him as captain. Whenever I've, I have him as captain, Bruno Fernandes does well, and then vice versa, when Fernandes is captain, Grealish does well. So I'm not bound to win this. Fa- I'm not bound to win fantasy football this year, unfortunately, which is a shame. There's still time to Yeah, go. Grealish is probably the best player. I look realistic class. Unbelievable. That I mean, game against Belgium, it just literally ran the show. We put a picture on our social media yesterday of Foden, Grealish and Mount with like Xavi, Iniesta and Messi and Messi holding the Ballon d'Or. And we're like, it's going to be them at the Euros. And um, yeah. I, just, I just want them to do so well. And I want Gareth Southgate to play them properly in their rightful positions. And I don't want them to play to a system on them to play and express themselves properly. And that's how England will do well at a tournament. Personally, that's how I see it. Um, but no, yeah. we'll, leave, we'll leave it there. We just want to say thank you very much, Liam, for coming on to the show. Thank you for your time and uh, for your kind words and for your uh, fascinating story of being a football scout and, again, networking, if anyone's listening. Salim, thanks again, as always, for coming on. Yeah. And we'll see you all soon. Thank you very much.